0: I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's up, everybody? I hope you guys had a happy new year. Myself and Brendan, we decided to take the Friday out because, one, I had a bit of a hangover. Two, I had a bit of a hangover. I'm not going to lie. I'm <laughs> not going <laughs> to I'm still joined by Mr. Brendan Nunes. We're recording this straight after, like literally a couple of minutes after Boston scraped a win against Detroit. Uh, how do you feel about this game, Brendan? I don't want to spend too much time reacting to it, but more talking about the less the, the things we can take away from it. But how do you feel
1: about the game in itself? Um, I, I mean, I think that you should definitely more convincingly beat the Detroit Pistons. You know, we can probably talk about both of them um together a little bit here uh both of the the last duo of piston games and and the more recent one I mean defense is like an issue um which doesn't make sense like I still think they're a good defense but they were supposed to be a top tier defense and that's just not happening um I have numbers that I'll get into a little bit later but I think a lot of it has to do with this two big lineup that I, I really you know was supposed to be good on the defensive end, and then cause you some spacing struggles. But I think that two big men out there is is getting abused. These guys do not rotate quick enough. They're not light enough on their feet uh, to really make this work. And it's like, at very least, it, I get that you're going to have perimeter struggles, protect the rim well, and I don't know, they have been like average at it. Yeah, so
0: the idea is that they're super switchable, right? I mean, you can switch Tyson Thompson. They're quite versatile defenders. But it's just not working. I mean, well, the thing that the, I've kind of took away from this, go on, go ahead.
1: If you had something, they're switchable for fives, you know, but like at the four, like, do you really want him switching on at twos ever or anything? You know? Yeah. No, I get what you're saying, but what I, the way I'm trying
0: to word it is they're switchable enough that on defense, it should work because of the additional size. That's the way Brad yeah. Stevens is trying to make it happen. And you know, you can trust Toys to slide down to a three and probably stay on his hip if he's lucky. But it's definitely going to be something that, again, I've said this on previous podcasts, I think once Kemba comes back, they'll go to a more fluid offense. And this is more of a plan B if they come off against a team that's a bit more physical. One of the things I have noticed with the defense, being straight up, they've shown flashes of what they can be defensively. There's been stretches like a game one against Detroit. The second half was a lot better defensively. They had a lot more aggression. They were closing out better. They were, you know, they were switching with more purpose. But then it's the same in game two. They start off bad defensively. You have a good quarter, but they just don't seem to be able to sustain it for three, four quarters a game. And that's going to be an issue because whether it's tired legs or whether it's effort levels, maybe they think they can win even when playing like that.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I mean, going into Detroit, they definitely seem to... I mean, they were very lackadaisical in that first quarter of the first matchup uh, just got destroyed to kick that one off and ridiculous amount of turnovers um, saw it in the second showing as well, especially at the start of the third. And and you do mainly see this this two big lineup only at the beginning of the game and at the beginning of the second half. Um, And, you know, I mean, with the talent on the team, like I get wanting to get Time Lord out there as well and the best way to work in these three big men. Is probably, I mean, you got to have some of them sharing the floor sometimes. And Time Lord's not really going to share the floor with anyone probably um, or with any of Thompson or Tice really. Um, and, and I agree with you that they're switchable. But like my issue is when, when one guy gets beat, not necessarily one of the bigs, when anyone gets beat and then there's a help, help situation going on and then all the rotations while the ball swings around the horn for the opposite team, that's when the big is too slow for me. And that's leading to like open threes for, for um, the opposition, and I think that's a little bit of a problem. I mean, both teams in the most recent game shot ridiculous from three. You know, Boston was 15 of 33, 45%, and Detroit was 16 of 36, 44%. I mean, like, sometimes you live with Sekou Dumboya hitting two of two. You know, you live with Josh Jackson shooting 50% from three, but some of them were, were looks that, while they're not good three-point shooters, I mean, you don't leave the guys wide open.
0: Yeah. And that's part and parcel of playing this two big lineup. Like you need to decide whether you want them guarding to, guarding the perimeter more sitting on the, where on the helpline you want them sitting. The issue that I find is when you're asking the two guard lineup to guard up on the perimeter, they're easily beat back door or they're beat off the baseline. You ask them to sag off and then they're not quick enough or they're slow, you know, just a step too slow to close out. And that's probably where the biggest issue is what you, they need to find a way that if they're asking these guys to sit back on the helpline, to figure out how to force the shooter off the three-point line and try and entice them into drive. But I just don't know how they're going to do that. That's probably been the biggest thing for me as well. Is you see them load the help side on defense and like in in game two against Detroit, the one that's just finished. Did you saw that um Tice was helping off of Blake Griffin multiple times on the weak side corner? And then the ball would get swung out to Blake Griffin, and Tice just couldn't scramble back in time to contest the shot. Luckily Blake Griffin's corner threes weren't falling much, so you know he's a bit more of a threat from the wing. But it's it's that sort of thing where it, there's consistently somebody helping off that doesn't have the the vertical and lateral quickness to close back out enough to alter shots. And Tys got burnt on that a few times. Thompson doesn't really get asked to close out like that because you want him around the rim. But at the times he is, sometimes he's burnt on that too. It's just a lack of speed. I feel like this team. Has got better in terms of toughness, but they are a little bit worse in terms of athleticism.
1: Yeah, and when when it's a more typical four, like you saw Jeremy Grant in that first in that first matchup, which is more of a typical four, I feel like in the modern NBA. While they are switchable players, um, you know they're, they they definitely are going to have their struggles there. And I'll I'll throw out these numbers. Um, so Tristan Thompson with Tice also on the floor. This double big lineup. Offensive rating of 94.4. Not great. Defensive rating 113.7. A negative 19 net rating um, in 56 total minutes. And then if you look at Thompson with no types, um 105 offensive rating compared to 94. And 100 defensive rating compared to 113. You get a positive 4.7 net rating. It's that defense that's a really big difference and offense uh, offense is a notable difference as well but I mean a 13 point difference on, on defense there totally notable you know I, I think 113 defensive rating is not good for a lineup that you know I, I feel like is out there probably mainly for defense and then if you look at the opposite side of it um, I mentioned the numbers with both of them on and then Thompson only so Tice only 97 offensive rating which is not great um, but still better than both of them on there by about three. And the defensive rating is much better there. Um, You get a 98 when it's only Tristan Thompson on the floor compared to 113. Um, They're better with just heist compared to just Thompson, if you're talking about just these offensive defensive ratings. But, I mean, it's they they definitely are getting beat on the defensive end when both of the guys go out there. And then the best offensive um, center they can throw out there right now is Robert Williams, actually. In the 79 minutes he's been out there, 125 offensive rating compared to 97, Just Thompson, 105, um, actually really good for Just Tice, but then 94 for both of them, and then, yeah, 125 in the Robert Williams minutes. Yeah, this is
0: the issue, though. Brad Stevens is putting the, the two big line the out there for defense, and his argument, he said it in a press conference the other day, his argument is it's not a big enough sample size to really be drawing conclusions on. How poor they are how good they are how they're working together the eye test straight away tells you it's not working the numbers that you've just dropped out there tell you it's not working but how long do you actually let this unit start games before you brad stevens and you actually say look it was a really good experiment the idea was correct it makes sense theoretically but in execution it's not going to happen
1: in the the real issue is like who else, who are you putting out there instead?
0: Well, you like see, Grant, I mean, Grant Williams got did not play coach's decision today. Which because, I was surprised. Well, he's been terrible to start the year. He's just not been yeah. good. He's, I mean, Keith Smith um, has been pointing it out quite regularly, and he's not wrong. Um, Grant Williams has missed a bunch of defensive rotations. He's When he's closing out, he's getting burnt because he's just that step too slow. He's made some poor decisions offensively. And Brad went with Shemi, who had a really good game, to be quite fair. So, it is true. I mean, I said at the start of the season, I feel like the biggest hole on this roster now is at the four. And I'm just going to stick with that. I feel like at the moment, the Celtics... I mean, look, I tweeted it out earlier. The Celtics definitely need another scorer, but they've got that coming back already in Kemba Walker. You know there's going to be another scorer walking through the door at some point in the next month or two. At the four, as you say, who else do you put there that's going to be a viable option if it's not Tice?
1: Yeah. um, I mean you know, you can slide Jalen and JT down and then you put in like you're saying Shemi or, or, or I guess like you said, Grant's been bad, but I wouldn't mind like trying it a little bit. Um, and, and like, I, uh, don't hate the idea of Peyton Pritchard starting. He was really okay. Okay. Hold so, on. Hold on. Hold on. I want you, <laughs> and, uh,
0: no, no, no. You said that very tentatively. <laughs> I want you to say it with some conviction. And then I want you to be like, I was wrong. Peyton Pritchard is solid. Come on, do it properly all the way. So forward. what?
1: What got me this game? Because I'll say this: what what got me in this game was the on-ball defense of Peyton Pritchard. Actually, I was like, "Whoa, he is hounding um, Derek Rose." He was hounding uh, Killian Hayes, and yeah, I mean, like he he got his hands on some plays, very like Igudala esque, right when guys are driving in and stripping it down. Um, so he was he was actually impactful at the point of attack on the defensive end. I mean, he's been um, like that for a few games. Where have you been? You've been sleeping? He has, he has. But like, I, I was just kind of waiting for that to fade a little bit. And it's like you know, there, there's guys that get steals, but it's mainly because you're overplaying, or more often than not, you're going to give up something rather than the times that you get the steal. Um, but la- like, he he hasn't gotten overpowered as much as I thought he would and uh a team that really needs creators right now, yeah um Pritchard Pritchard definitely fits I'm waiting for the I, I was, was wrong. wrong I that was I wrong was I was wrong like it, it's still very early um but at this point like i I actually do feel comfortable saying i was I was wrong about Pritchard
0: yeah okay i'm uh I'm just gonna you on it because it's gonna be the inside joke for the duration of the season. I don't uh, blame you. For the, for clarity, I tweeted this out as well. I like to tweet stuff when I find numbers because I can go back and find them again later. Pritchard with his steal, he had one steal against in the second game against Detroit that put him, I think it was second or third. I think he's second on the team in steals because then there's two guys tied above him for first. So he's one of the more active guys when jumping passing lanes. He, He's really, really like in your face on D. He forces guys to have to pick up their dribble. He forces guys to do a crossover onto the weaker hand and he he really does anticipate them quite well. And the dude is a blur in transition. I don't hate the idea of him starting. I do prefer the idea of him being the first guard off the bench in terms well, I like Mark okay, let me promise this. That's the first point guard off the bench, assuming Marcus Smart, if he does go back to the bench, is a two guard on the second unit. So I do like him as the but Marcus Smart showed that and I I took some heat on Twitter yesterday because I don't like Marcus Smart shooting threes in down the stretch in a clutch. Marcus Smart showed exactly why I feel that way today. Um he was he was, in my opinion, the best penetrator on the roster, the best facilitator on the roster. Um he was the best defender on the roster in that game. Those three things are where I feel like his value is. So if you compare him next to a guy like Peyton Pritchard that can play off ball as well and can score if you leave him open. If you sag off him, he'll fire. He can drive. I, I like that point guard tandem. I just don't know where that leaves Jeff, Jeff Teague.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and hopefully Teague's all right. We saw what looked like an ankle injury for him that I think at this point we don't have any update. Um, yeah, um, I, I think that... L- let's talk about this Marcus shot real quick. Um, the, the three in semi-transition right I mean like I think if Marcus Smart is wide open he should take it but he just still had forward momentum going I'd like him to just like take a dribble there real quick and if nobody responds shoot it if somebody comes to you then then make another play you know um like I, I like him shooting open threes in the clutch I think that's fine but it was more so that he kind of still had this forward momentum. And I think he just could have been a little more patient if we're talking about that one three specific that I think was was pretty polarizing.
0: Yeah, so that three for me, and I put a screenshot out there. And my problem is I, I know what I'm trying to say when I'm tweeting stuff, so it's very easy to misinterpret. But what I'm saying is, one, I feel like that's beyond his range as a consistent three-point shooter. Two? Like too deep. Yeah, too deep. I feel like that extra step would have been perfect for him. Two, there was an open man in the corner. Now, I get it was Grant Williams. I'm not saying that shot should have gone to Grant Williams. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you had two defenders closing out on you and the big man that was down in the paint guarding, I think it was Thompson, would have had to alter and close out on you, Grant Williams, if you start to drive that because there was oceans of open space. So, Grant Williams being the IQ that he's got should theoretically drive that space and then dump off to Thompson for the easy dunk. That was my whole outlook on it. If Smart was going to shoot that I would prefer to pump fake, maybe see if you can get anyone off their feet and drive that close out because you've got two guys coming at you and then see what you can create off the drive. I understand it was late in the sh- um late in the, the fourth. There, there wasn't much time on the clock but you still would have had enough time probably to get another shot or you or you're playing for overtime i just don't like that shot in motion after catch where it's probably one step too deep for you and that was my whole thing about it tonight i think uh game two against detroit i think he played absolutely exceptional
1: yeah definitely um i'm with you yeah it was definitely uh from my memory a two-for-one situation which is probably why he had a little bit too quick of a trigger um but yeah just just take a second and if no one closes out, um, then, then go ahead and launch it from the line, you know? Um, uh, okay. So before, cause, cause Jalen's gotta be the highlight of this episode. We got to spend a good portion on him. So let's touch on Tatum, um, a little bit before that in the most recent one, the most recent Pistons game, 28 points, 11 to 24 from the field, not very efficient. Three of 11 from three. um, didn't love the shot selection at times in the first half. Uh, second half, there was definitely a um, an emphasis on getting to the paint. I think for Boston overall, there were no free throw attempts at the halfway point. They ended with 14 in the game and only made seven of them, by the way, which isn't great. Um, but there was definitely an emphasis on that. And I think that Tatum did extremely well getting to the paint in the second half. But the main thing I want to point out for Tatum is, um, and actually, I just totally read the first game stat line. So my apologies. <laughs> in the most recent game, again, no no free throws at halftime, but then it was 13 at the end of the game. Um, so the second half, they were 9 of 13 from the free throw line. Tatum ended with 24 points on 10 of 22 from the field and 4 of 8 from 3. Um, but what really stood out to me, especially in the second half when he's hitting the paint, 12 assists for Tatum. Um, I think that he did a really good job with these simple drop-off passes to to the big man that was sitting there, specifically. Career high, 12 assists. Oh, really? Yeah. Career high, 12 assists. He yeah.
0: had, uh, his last career high was 11 in a playoff game, and his regular season career high was, I think it was 8, maybe 9. So yeah, career high, he definitely has become better at reading when the big man's closing out on him on the drive and hitting those dump off passes and it seems like that's one of the offensive points of emphasis when you drive if you know you like, the Celtics like to have their big man sitting on the uh, the weak side low block ready to receive that dump off I, I think that that's going to become a part um a big part of his game They're asking him to facilitate more teams are trapping him off the pick and roll so it's going so hopefully he's going to learn to read those blitzes better and pass out of those but when he's getting downhill, the gravity he's got, then Thompson and Tice or Rob Williams are all going to start feasting off these dumb puffs or these over the top little float passes, you know, for the alley hoops, which, um, was it, was it Tatum that tried to get Rob Will with one and Rob Will just completely thought it was a floater and jumped too late? I think it was I in the second. So. I, I know, so yeah. but it, it's ones like that that will start to go down soon enough you know it could have ended as a floater and then everybody nobody's questioning it but to me that was definitely a, an alley pass that Rob Williams thought was a floater so there's still a bit of communication to get worked out there but yeah you know, I'm all in on Tatum as a facilitator I think and I said this last season I think there's a world where Tatum can you know float with double, uh, triple doubles on most nights by the end of this season it's going to become like half the course
1: Yeah. And 24, 12 and eight in the most recent game here. And I want to say, I mean, he had had two blocks and I think both were in the final minute of the game. It was on ball defense. Like Tatum is this God off ball defender, right? With the uses ridiculous length to be in like three places at one time. It feels like where he's, you know, like um, he's digging, but then somehow still staying on his guy that's at the three point line. But this was on ball defense getting attacked by Derrick Rose that he swats a, a weak um, offhand or inside hand layup that Rose kind of I mean like try to sneak it past Tatum but you're not going to do it with that length and then the very last three that Blake Griffin shot up that really was just a prayer Tatum him get a j- good job getting his hands on it which normally actually like you you probably don't really want to put your hands there and risk fouling the guy but Tatum did a really good job on ball defense at the very end of the game when usually you see him function off ball.
0: Yeah, and that's what we said last year, right? We said that we wanted to see Tatum develop on ball D. We wanted to see Jalen develop some off ball D so they become more complete defensive like wings. And we're seeing on both sides of the the coin as well. We're seeing Jalen start to close out passing lanes better. He's starting to really, you know, I see him top lock a little bit more than I have done before. I see him read um, pick and like, off ball pick and rolls. What I do like with JT's um, defense at the moment is he's super aggressive. He's learning where to put his chest to close off driving lanes more than he's not just relying on that length anymore. He's learning that hey, if I turn my chest just two, three, four more degrees, then that driving lane's completely gone, or they're gonna have to give me an offensive foul because it'll be a charge. And it's little, it's little niche things like that that you just add to your game incrementally. Over the early years of your career that will really develop you into a top level defensive player. Dude, I think both of these wings are going to be all stars this year. The only thing I don't like is Tatum. Well, I don't mind it. Tatum starts games slow. Brown starts them hot. And then as Brown starts, which is good really, because then as Brown starts to cool off, Tatum starts to heat up. So they have got a good little tandem there, but I'd like to see both of them just be consistent throughout games.
1: Yeah, I think Keith pointed it out. There was a stretch in the third quarter where it was no Tatum, but Jalen was on the floor for a while. And and Jalen went um, ridiculous in, in the first half um, and had 11 shots on 20-plus points and then only shot the ball five more times throughout the rest of the game when he was really the hot hand. And in those minutes where Tatum was sitting, Keith was saying you know, that, that Jalen really needs to come and get the ball and kind of demand it a little bit more and be the feature guy out there um rather than kind of just like a cog when, you know, it's Teague and Pritchard minutes. Um, so yeah, I think he could have done a better job of that. But I mean, honestly, kind of nitpicking with uh with Brown a little bit there. And I, I guess to throw the one other downside of Brown out before we can kind of just gush about his last three games, uh, six turnovers and only four assists, like while Jalen's scoring like an a just absolute monster, um, they're still not very much setting up other people he's good at creating space for himself but a lot of it's kind of in an iso situation or coming off dribble handoffs um and really just hitting like tough shots or or you know catch and shoot threes i think he he's actually become one of the better catch and shoot three guys in the league you saw that last year too but but he he's still not creating plays for others
0: yeah and i'm all right with that at the moment to be quite honest with you brand's made a jump as a scorer he's made a jump as a pick and roll play finisher, not a playmaker. He's definitely one of the best, as you said, one of the better catch and shoot guys, phenomenal pull up guy can get his change of pace just seems so much more smooth this year. And he's, he's got that little like half turn, turn back drive that he's kind of the schmitty. The schmitty yeah. Yeah. <laughs> smoking guys with at the moment, dude. And I'm cool. I'm down with all of it because at the end of the day, as I said about defense, you want guys to add things incrementally. You don't want them to try and do too much and end up regressing because of it. So what we're seeing now is we're seeing a more aggressive version of Jalen that knows how to get his shot, knows where his spots are, and has finally figured out how to get to where those spots are while the ball's in his hands rather than relying on guys to find him when he's got enough ball. Once he's consolidated that and this becomes, like at the moment, this is all new and everybody's so hyped up about it because it's new. Once that becomes consistent and that's just who he is offensively, then I'd like to see him start working towards adding that playmaking in. And that's what Brad Stevens allowed Tatum to do as well. He allowed Tatum to flourish as a scorer and a play finisher before then saying, right, now the ball's in your hands and I want you to start being a playmaker.
1: Right. Um, And I I think that there's definitely been an improved handle from Jalen. Another jump, like obviously that was one of the main things we saw in 2019-20. I think that's got even better this year. Um, he's always had to me this like silky smooth mid range, and he has a really high release. He gets really good elevation on his jump shots, which I'm surprised doesn't tire him out a bunch throughout the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I think he can get these mid range looks off whenever he wants, and I and I don't love those shots, but you know, throughout the course of a game, for a team that really struggles to create offense at times. I think it's great. And, and and I mean, it seems like we're gonna have nights where Jalen's just absolutely on fire. And even these, like obviously the 31 points in Detroit. And then we saw um I actually don't think that we have mentioned since uh we didn't record over the um holiday break, the New Year's break, we didn't mention that Jalen had forty two points in three quarters on fifteen to twenty one from the field in Memphis. Which is ridiculous, right? I mean, this is the
0: thing. This is showing you and saying it again. I'm speaking it into existence. This is showing you that the guy is most improved player worthy. If he can keep this sort of production up. I'm not asking for 42 points a night. I'm not even asking for 30 points a night. I'm asking for straight. What's the word I'm looking for? Consistency and aggression when attacking. Because at the moment, teams don't seem to be able to guard him. He's so fast and so shifty. And he can change directions like on a dime so easily that it's just becoming almost impossible for guys to deem up. He likes that little slalom drive as well. He likes to kind of weave in and out of defenders. And then we saw oh man, was it against the Pistons in game one where he had that monster dunk and the shot clock expired just before he nailed it? Yes, yes, with the left too. Like, oh yes. It's things like that where like, okay, the dunk is cool, I love it. But what I love to see was the fact that the contacts on the way up and on that drive did not alter what he was going for at all. That's additional strength. You know, we a couple of years ago, um, Brown would have completely and utterly screwed that up. He would have uh, back rimmed the dunk, or he just would have flopped and tried to get the foul. Now he's going up so hard. And okay, the shot clock went and we got, it cost us the highlight. But dude, that dunk was monstrous.
1: It really was. It really was. I was, yeah, that, that definitely got a little noise out of me when I was sitting on the couch watching that one. Um, and, and yeah, he hits like none of his shots feel forced, weirdly. Um, like there there's times where, you know, he's just, creating for himself a little bit and you're okay with it because he's the feature guy in the lineup or maybe there's not too much going on. Like again, there's not that many great offensive options on this team right now. Um, but it, it doesn't feel like he's throwing up that many bad looks, right? No. At the moment it doesn't. There's a
0: couple where he'll go for like a, a floater or something like that, that I feel like he could have handled a little bit better. He could have, you know, worked for a better shot or deferred the ball. But he's hot at the time. He's not going in. He's not doing that when he's 0 for 6 from the field. He's doing it when he's like 9 for 11. So it does, you don't feel like it's forced because he's been successful up to that point. But there are a few shots where I'm like, oh, that was a little bit questionable, but they're going in. So I'll save the, uh, the negative analysis till they stop going in, which I hope yeah, I, doesn't come.
1: Right. Yeah. And I, I worry that, you know, maybe shots are just falling right now because I think that. There is a chance that, you know, some of these are kind of similar looks to things he was getting last year, um, but they're just falling some games right now. Like the first Pistons game, he was one of seven from three. Um still managed to be twelve of twenty from the field, but um and, and knocked down twenty five points. But yeah, I mean I, I worry that when it when he's not super hot that maybe this doesn't look great, but I would trust him to not throw up a ridiculous amount of shots when that's the case. And yeah, I mean, he hit the game winning three in this most recent Pistons game. And that's the
0: thing, right? I mean, he's showing that he can, and he's showing he can do it with a hand in his face. He's showing he can do it in some of the most high pressure environments. And this is what you want from him. You want him to be a co first option instead of a third or second option because Kemba Walker is only going to be around for so long. What you're relying on, sorry, what you're relying on is. Um, Tatum and Brand both developing together to be your primary two options, one one A and one B, and giving him chances to hit that game winner, giving him chances to lead the offense and learn how to demand touches, like what Keith was talking about on Twitter, where and you alluded to it too. When he's with that bench unit, he needs to be more aggressive in terms of give me the ball, I'm going to score. And the only way to do that is to let him get his confidence up by hitting these sort of game-winning shots.
1: For sure. And I love that he plays it cool the whole time. Like, Shemmy's running up to him. Everyone's jumping on him straight face the whole time. Cold-blooded killer. Yeah, he's... um, He don't care, dude. Jalen, he's
0: one of those guys that would be a nightmare to be like um, a friend with because you'd never know if he was joking with you because his face just doesn't change, dude. Right. He'd be like... He'd say something and he'd be like, I don't know how to take that. I'm very Kawhi. Um, yeah, look, Kawhi's different. Because no, Kawhi's like, I'd laugh at Kawhi whether he was joking with me or not. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Um. Right. Yeah, I love Kawhi. Kawhi's probably one of the most low-key funny guys in the league. Um. Yeah, I like Jalen. I think Jalen's going to be great. I, I see people at the moment saying he's the best player on the roster. Uh, I honestly don't care if he is or if he isn't. What I care about is the two guys that should be the best two guys on the roster are, and they're performing like it at the moment. I just really wish we'd see more consistent defensive intensity off the entire uh, group that are on the floor because that's what's putting them in these tight games. And I think until Kemba Walker's back, it's going to be a lot of close games because they just don't have that third scorer to really lean on when. You know, instead of having Jeff Teague, a shot with four minutes left in the third or four minutes left in the fourth, you go to Kemba, you know? So until he's back, I think it is going to be some real close games.
1: Yeah. And I worry that, you know, they're, I mean, these are two really close games against the Detroit Pistons who had not won a game going into this matchup. Um, Like, while I feel really good about Jalen, these honestly were two pretty bad games for Boston. I worry that they're just winning games off, the talent difference, um, mainly in that, in that duo or really just in that duo of, of Tatum and Brown. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely have my concerns. And the main thing I feel like they can do right now is like they, they really should be a good defensive team. And that's not been the case right now, or they've been good again. Um, but they haven't been like a top 10 defense and I think they need to get there. Um, and, and maybe that means, you know, less of this, uh, too big lineup. Again, I I guess I don't really know who you're fitting in there. Like, I still don't feel good about Shemi minutes. Shemmy hit three of six from three in the most recent game. He hit some really big ones in the fourth quarter that ended up uh, getting him put back out there. I mean, sometimes shots fall for guys. Like, unless he can prove to hit that more consistently, I still don't feel great about his minutes. We've seen this from Shemmy before, right, where Shemmy has a good game,
0: ends up closing the game because of his performance, and then sucks for like two, three weeks. What did he do good besides like making the threes, though? You know what I mean? The thing is, he didn't do anything bad. That's the point. If Grant Williams was in there, then you know what I mean? What we're saying is Grant Williams has been a net negative on defense. He's losing his man. He's losing his rotations. If you put Shemi in there and all he does is make a couple of threes but doesn't make bad plays defensively, then you have to live with that over the, the role of the dice with Grant as it is at the moment. That's the, that's my outlook on it. He might not have done anything great defensively, but he didn't put a foot wrong. Fair enough.
1: Fair enough. Um yeah. Yeah. I am with you there. I think that yeah, I, I just would enjoy someone that brought something on offense. But again, I'm preaching defense. Like I, I get why Shemi is is part of this rotation. Uh just would be nice to have somebody that is um not so one-dimensional on the offensive end as well. And hopefully Grant can become that guy because I think he's been promising, at least on that end, a little bit this year.
0: Do you know what? I'm still on the same train train that the Celtics need a a bench scorer. It's still, And I'd really like it to be somebody that can... Um, but again, if you can slide, if you can acquire somebody that can play the four and fill that big hole as a starting four, then you can rejig your uh, bench unit and have those bench scorers. For me, the biggest problem at the moment is... There's nobody there that can play the four spot, and that was how, you know, Gordon Hayward made it work. With him yeah. gone now, I feel like um, feel like the defense is still trying to figure out how to readjust without Hayward and incorporate Tice uh, not Tyce Thompson, incorporate this two big lineup. I don't think they've even practiced yet, and then they played today. They're playing again tomorrow. It's a relentless schedule. It's going to be one of these things where it's trial by fire, and they're going to suck. And then hopefully they figure it out down the line.
1: Yeah. And and playing bad and coming through with wins um, is, you know, still, still a good thing in the end. Um, I I guess like really what matters is getting the W. And they, they should have come through with two of them in in this little road trip to Detroit, um, but obviously didn't. And yeah, moving, moving forward, I I think that, you know, I, I definitely at one point in this game prematurely am thinking about, Okay, what other scorer can they maybe trade for to get on this team? And it's like, all right, you gotta wait for Kemba and Romeo to be back. You know what I mean? Because like, I agree with you. There's a hole of the four, but I think that Tatum can be that four. You know, and you just slide. Uh, obviously, Kemba into the starting lineup, and then all of a sudden, what your bench is, and we've probably said this before, but some, I guess Smart wouldn't be out there, but Pritchard, Langford shemmy grant and robert williams like actually not horrible you know what i mean yeah and i've made the case for
0: i've made the case for putting romeo once he's healthy testing him in the starting lineup and then having that pritchard smart um guard tandem come off the bench along with rob williams if naismith ever figures out what's going on then you can put him in he didn't
1: look good in memphis by the way
0: dude the players were having to tell him where to stand He he didn't know his defensive coverages. He didn't know the assignments. Offense, he he did he looked lost the entire time. But again, that's because there's been no practices. They haven't had time to work on him, work with him. Usually, a rookie will get drafted and have a month or two to work with with the Celtics coaching staff. Then you know they know where they need to be on the floor. But Pritchard's picked it up because Pritchard's a four year college guy that's came in a lot more polished than what Naismith has.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Um, Neesmith definitely needs Neesmith, more time. Neesmith, Naismith. I, I think it's Neesmith. I think, um, when, when he gets playing time, we'll know for sure. Um, yeah. And you know, the, the odd guy out, I think both of us, when we were kind of listing that bench lineup, uh, in a healthy, in a, in a healthy scenario, uh, both of us kind of hesitated. And at least when I did, it was because I saw Jeff Teague's name and I'm like, well, I don't actually exactly know where he fits. Um, so I don't know, but we'll figure it out obviously, or Boston will figure it out. Um, Teague can, I think he is a piece that, you know, could solve a lot of these offensive issues where it's like, where's another Mm -hmm. playmaker going to come from? But he has looked really kind of out of sorts right now. And I, I mean, The teague that we've seen so far, like, I think he's, he's definitely going to improve from where he is right now. I don't know that it's going to be by a crazy amount since he's, he is at the latter end of his career. You know, he wasn't great last season or anything like that, but I I think we're definitely going to get a better teague than what we've seen so far.
0: Honestly, the way he penetrates, especially off pick and roll, I just want to see him reward the roll man. That's all I want. Hit that roll man with passes. He doesn't do it. If he, if his drive gets cut off. Like, And you see this a lot, so keep an eye out for it. He'll come off the pick and roll, he'll drive. If defences cut that drive off, instead of looking for where the roll man is, he will just fire it back out to the top of the perimeter and then get a second pick and roll set up to run. Instead of being like, right, I've got Rob Williams cutting with me. I'm just going to throw it up there. Rob Williams has got, he, you know, got a yard of space on his man. He's got the verticality. He doesn't do that. And that's fine because he's playing it safe. I get that. But don't run the pick and roll if you're not willing to use the role man to your advantage, especially one as versatile, well, as potentially versatile as Rob Williams and as vertically gifted as Rob Williams.
1: Yeah. This next game against Toronto is going to be a big one. Toronto has really struggled to start the year. Siakam's been genuinely horrible for them. Um, So they got their own offensive issues to work out, but obviously have a good defense they're still working with there. We get the return of of Aaron Baines um so I, I think this next one's going to be a really good test for them and also I mean while Toronto's one and four um they're that's crazy they played five games Boston has played seven Does Toronto play tonight uh later though they do not so that's that's a pretty big difference in the amount of games played interestingly but yeah I mean Toronto's definitely been struggling but you would expect the guys to still go out there and you know this is a team that you saw in the second round of the playoffs and knocked out like while they're bad right now, they're not going to be, is my point. You know, this is a team you could see down the stretch. So I would expect some intensity and none of this lackadaisical play that you saw um, for stretches against Detroit. And I guess we're going we're gonna to know how that, ha-
0: how that plays out by the time we record this next episode. Toronto is going to be a much tougher test. Much tougher test. They're, um, they're going to have a point to prove after the playoffs as well. So I'm interested to see how Boston come up against them. I'm int- I'm very interested to see how, how Brad kind of coaches, well, or at least advises the defense to play now. Because I feel like if you are running with this too big lineup again, then you need to alter your switching scheme and you need to start having guys drop back a little bit more, sag off a little bit more or play or just go straight up peri- man-to-man perimeter and only switch on pick and roll penetration. Um, I'm just very curious how it's going to work, and I'm guessing you know we're gonna know but well we will know by the time the next episode airs. You're watching again.
1: Uh, yeah, I got Brooklyn on in the background. Let me tell you, Katie just crossed the heck out of someone. <laughs> Bad. Yeah, and then and then slammed it. Rui Hachimura. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, and and then he dug it. I don't know what happened. I think there was like a seal offensive foul, which they've been calling a bunch this year. Shout out to Daniel Tysa but yeah sorry you saw my facial reaction Katie you just crossed the heck out of Rui Hachimura guys we'll be back again on Wednesday I hope um, hope
0: you guys enjoyed it if you did enjoy it leave that 5 star written review write nice things if you don't write want to write nice things just don't leave anything at all because if you ain't got nothing nice to say don't say anything at all I'll keep throwing it to you you always take a moment yeah I do I do <laughs> <laughs> guys you can catch us again on Wednesday have a happy Monday and Tuesday let's get this W and we'll, is it Wednesday that I Yes it is, so we'll speak to you then